Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Good morning. Everybody feeling good today? You can be honest if you're not, that's okay. By the end time you leave here today, you'll be feeling good. Well, I, uh, I'm going to start a new series this morning, and I've been thinking about this for a while. Some of you can remember back 10 years ago, if you have good memory, I put together a series for our 21 days in the fall. At that time, it was called Tearing Down the Walls. And as I've been looking through that the last few weeks, the Lord just keeps taking me back to it and said, this is something I want you to go through with the church. Again, because 10 years ago, we've probably forgot a lot of stuff, but it's very fitting and kind of where we're at as a church and what God wants to do in us and through us. And so I, I want to do this. I'm going to change some of it up a little bit. And I changed the title, too, because I just felt like this was very fitting titled Built to Last, Built to Last. And so I'm going to ask you a few questions in a few minutes about this so that you can kind of in your own thought process decide yeah, this might be for me. This is about building a foundation to effectively connect with God. And I will insert in this, connect with your own family, connect with our church family and our community. So there's a lot of things that need to happen in order for us to be effective in all of those things. Now, I want to start telling you this story that's kind of transpired recently in our life that is very much right along the lines of kind of my thought process here. So... My wife can tell you that for several months, I've been talking about ripping out my back lawn and replacing it because it's just been bugging me. And it's been, I just wasn't able to make it look good anymore because it was just so much stuff that was embedded in there from years and years of falling out of the fir trees or the trees that are back there. And it just began to irritate me. That there was stuff in it. So it was enough to make me go, I've got to do something about this. But I'd been talking about it for months. And uh, the hesitancy of tearing up the lawn because then I thought, well, if I reseed it, then I'm going to be just irritated beyond belief with the animals and the squirrels and the raccoons and everything that's going to come. And I know they're just going to dig up everything. It's just going to drive me crazy. And so I came up with the idea, well, let's put just brand new sod down and make it a little bit less stress in that regard. So fortunately, I had some help of a strong back that came and helped me. Thank you, Marcus, for coming over on the last Friday, week ago Friday, and cutting up and tearing out the old sod, which is a lot of work, by the way, if you've ever done that. And then, of course, sticker shock when I tried to haul it to the dump. Anyway, we won't go there. And then the next day able to bring in brand new sod and put it down. And then I had some other areas. There was a flower bed in the back that was just overgrown with ivy. And that was another thing. I just like, I want to get that stuff out of there because it's just taken over. So a couple days before we actually pulled that out, which was this last Friday, I was watching outside and I saw this squirrel. He was running around a little bit, and then he had a peanut in his mouth, and I don't know where he gets them, but somebody's feeding him peanuts somewhere, because I've, I've seen so many of them in my yard when I'm doing different things and I uncover them. Well, he was trying to bury this peanut in the ivy, and so I was thinking, you know what, that's, 
I was just kind of laughing to myself. Good luck, buddy, because it's not going to be there in a couple days because I'm ripping that stuff all out of there, and you're not going to be happy. But he spent time burying it wherever he wanted to bury it. And so Friday, ripped out all the ivy and made it look good. Obviously, the peanut went away, uh, as well as a few others and some other things that were buried in there by the squirrels because we have a few squirrels there that live in the trees. So uh, yesterday morning, I'm staring out the window, and I'm watching this squirrel. And he is frantic, and he is going all over the place uh, where the ivy was grown, and he's sniffing all over, and he's with his feet just digging all over the place trying to find whatever he buried, and he can't find it. And then he's running along the, the edge where I have a little edge thing, and he's sniffing and trying to dig up and stuff. And then what other thing has sort of been irritating me because I've been watching him in my new lawn, and they can't find their peanuts but with new lawn, if you know, it doesn't immediately take root, right? <laughs> so there's corners that they kind of fiddle with. And, of course, that bothers me. So I go out and stomp the corners down and, you know, I'm telling them that they're not allowed in my yard and they don't, <laughs> they don't listen. And so all this is happening. But the reality is, is there's things that were physically in my yard that just needed to go away. They were things that were there, but they weren't, they shouldn't, it's something that needed to change. And I needed to do something new, and I needed to give a firm base there, a solid foundation for a new lawn and getting things prepped for everything so that what we want to do, we can produce and have it flourish. And so I was thinking through this whole process about what I'm going to be talking to, to you about the next few weeks. And it's where the enemy has, over time, and I'll just for whatever, if you may like squirrels, and I'm fine with that. I'm just going to, they're kind of the enemy for this story, okay? So don't hold me accountable for that in the sense of Pastor Steve hates squirrels. If I let my wife loose with the pellet gun, they wouldn't be there. But I'm trying to be real good about this whole thing. So, you know, in our life, the enemy comes and he loves to come into our territory and bring his stuff and he likes to try to hide it in places, in the areas of our life. And he will like to stir up things, but he doesn't want us to really see it openly. But he's, he sneaks around and he buries things here and there. But one thing what we do recognize is when we start going through and we start cleaning some of that mess up in our life that we've sort of allowed to be there. We don't like it, but it's there. Stuff in our life. It could be experiences. It could be decisions we made. It could be just stuff we're doing that probably isn't the best or we're allowing things to happen, but then we make a decision. You know what? I'm going to get rid of some of that stuff. It's not productive for me. It's not working for me. It's not helping me in my life. And we start tearing that up. And when we begin to see remnants of the enemy, we begin to see, oh, you know what? I never even recognized that that's part of what he was doing. We begin to discover that, but then we have to put something there in its place to build so that we can last, built to last in our walk with the Lord. So it's something that's very important for us to understand that this is not just a one-time thing that I just need to kind of get through tomorrow. No, we have to have our life built on a foundation 
of Jesus Christ, foundation of the word, foundation of walls that we are putting up, the foundations we're putting up has to be able to last the test of time of the enemy and what he does. In a few moments, like I said, I want to ask you a couple questions. It's interesting because Dave referred to Chris Eggers this morning. The word he brought was rejuvenation. But I thought that was very fitting kind of in what we're doing and what we're going through. So thank you for that, Chris. I want to read a couple of things. Before they do, I want to pray. And we're just going to get started in this and where we end up. And nobody started the clock, so I've got a lot of time. That's awesome. It's zero zero. So are we just starting? <laughs> I'm okay with that. No, I'm not really. There's, if you didn't notice, there's a clock back there that keeps me on time, and I don't, I got nine minutes left. Oh, I've, I've had nine minutes. <laughs> so start the clock, and then I'll know we're nine minutes. <laughs> Thank you for starting your clock, Brett. I don't remember, how long did you go last week? I went about 30 minutes. 30 minutes? Ooh, I don't know if I'll be able to do that, but we'll see. Lord, we thank you that you bring to our attention things that we need to look at in our life. And Lord, we, we're listening this morning. We have ears to hear what you want to speak to us this morning. And Lord, even you even use stories and situations, God, that to help us. You use parables just about everything you did, Lord, in, in your walk here on earth. And so with that, it's important for us. It helps us understand and that you can explain those things to us. So Lord, your Holy Spirit, we are asking that you would help us and explain to us what you have in plan for us over the next few weeks. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Oh, we've only had one. My wife says, you have 60 slides, Steve. We probably won't get through them all today, will we? That's only one week's worth. I was thinking I would, but we're probably not going to. I know when uh, Nick, because I sent, thank you, Nick, so much, I sent him my notes, and he's like texting me back, Dad, do you know how many slides you have? The next slide you can put up. <laughs> Don't be counting, please. <laughs> but if you count, it just makes you be here longer. So, <laughs> There can be walls that are in place in our lives that keep us from having a whole, life-filled, intimate relationship with God, our Creator. Jesus sacrificed his life, broke every chain, every hindrance, and set us free so we could have an abundant life. So that's as a personally for us in our walk with the Lord. The next one is there can be walls in place that keep us from healthy relationships with our fellow believers. We've either put up these walls or we've allowed them to be built to keep us from lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships with those in the body of Christ that we rub shoulders with on a regular basis. If we will allow the fruit of the Spirit to be a part of our daily lives, it will revolutionize our relationship with those that God has called us to run with. Now, this scripture is not on the screen, so this is, uh, we would have had 61. A lot of us know the scripture. Not everybody does, and I don't ever want to assume that, but Galatians 5, and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. I mean, there's nine kinds of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our life as believers. Love, joy, peace. Those three right there are incredible, right? And we keep going with patience, kindness, goodness. And we have faithfulness, gentleness, and the easiest one, self-control. But these are the, those nine fruits of the Spirit. If we had those active in our life daily, 
I'm telling you, a lot of stuff that we deal with and a lot of the issues we have with each other would just simply go away. And that's why I love the Bible. And I have people come talk to me and they said, man, I'm having this challenge. I said, well, what does the word say? We don't like to look sometimes at what the word says because then we have to have action to follow through with what the word says. But it's there for a reason. The next slide is there can be walls in place that keep us from effectively connecting with our city and community. Many of these walls are placed there by the church as a whole, unfortunately. Our attitude can create selfishness, disdain, anger, fear, pride, and many other things that keep us from building bridges to our community. When we break down the walls, we will begin to see community transformation. When we demonstrate the love, grace, and mercy of Christ without judgment and condemnation, there will be a heart change in us and in those who the Holy Spirit is drawing to repentance. So I just said a lot there, but I believe that's true. We have to express the love, the grace, the mercy of Christ to those around us in our community and not be judgmental. That's not our job. We're not called to judge. We're called to love and give grace and point people to Jesus Christ. That is what we're here for. There's a scripture I want to read to you out of the message version that Paul is talking. And I love this scripture because it's so fitting. And myself, as a person and a pastor, I look at this and I said, wow, okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19. Paul says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. I I read that a few times. I thought, wow, I need to do that. I need to be free of expectations and demands that people put on me. Expectations. Oh, you need to do this, or you should do this, or you need to act this way, or you need to say that, or you didn't do that right, or whatever. And we're all in that place, and people have those things they put on us. But Paul's saying, hey, even though I'm free of all those things, he's been able to get past those. He says, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. Very key. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. We need to be listening. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, the good news of Jesus Christ, and he was so passionate about that. But Paul said, whatever I need to do to reach people, because there's something that's been done in my life, a transformation that's done in me that I have got to somehow get into their world, not become part of their world, but get into it, get into the mess, get into all of the stuff they're involved with without fear of any condemnation, any judgment, any, anything that might be there, demands or expectations from anybody. You just jump in and go, this is what God's called me to do. And you get in there and you start doing this. And then he goes on to say, I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I love that part. We want to be in on what God is in on. <laughs> Not just talk about it. It's easy to talk about it. But are we in on it? What's his purpose? Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the Christians. No. He said he came to seek and save those who were lost. Well, how is he going to accomplish that? Well, he could do what he could have done when I was referring in communion. He could flip a switch. 
but she chooses not to, obviously, he could flip the switch and everybody would be saved. But no, that's not who he is. That's not his heart. His heart is he wants everyone to choose for themselves, but he's, he came to seek, seek us out and to save us. Luke 5.32, I have come to call not those who are righteous or think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners that need to repent. He's going after the lost. God is not sending us into our community to seek out the Christians and buddy up with them. Now, we run into Christians and, and so forth, and that's awesome. We run into occasionally. A couple months ago, um, well, my wife and I, we occasionally rent out our travel trailer to people who want to rent a travel trailer for a few days, but they don't want to have to own one, and I understand that. It makes sense. So we do that through a website. But I'd been communicating with this particular person through the website about the whole thing, and I was going to deliver it to a piece of property here in Thurston County. And so I went out there and, and did that. And uh, when I went out there, it just the people there, they just had this something about them that I'm thinking, these are great people. And so I met the people who were renting it and began to have a conversation. And I said, oh, so, so what do you guys got going out? Oh, we're just people from all over two or three different states. We come together once a year to this piece of property that this person owns. And we just hang out for two, three days. And we sit around the fire and we worship God and we sing. And we, we talk about goodness of God as friends who have done this. And we love it. And I said, really? <laughs> I said, that sounds cool. And then I said, you know, I'm a believer too. And, and then they said, you know what, we could have guessed that. You know, in re before all the conversation, they said, we could just tell there was something different. There was something about you. And I could tell that about them. It's interesting. So when we do run into believers and we have that kind of that aha moment of, hey, you're a believer too. Yeah, and there's that connection. So it's good. It's great that Christians recognize it, but we need to see those the lost recognize something different about us. There's like, there's something about you. And that's so, such an open door to say, you know what? I, my life was messed up, but I can tell you right now, this is why I can be happy today. This is why I have the fruit of the Spirit in my life, the love, joy, peace, and all of those things. So we cannot isolate ourselves from the world and from, from the unbelievers. Because sometimes that happens where Christians do that. They begin to pull themselves away from the very field, the very place that God has called us to be and be a part of. You know, it's interesting, this quote, the testimony of one converted lost soul has more impact than that of 10,000 casual Christians. The testimony of one converted lost soul has more impact than 10,000 casual Christians who don't say anything about what God's done with them. One, one. So there are walls in our life there's bad sod in our life that needs to be removed in order to put a good, solid foundation, put good new turf down. There's some things that we need to see taken out. So I'm going to ask this question. I can even attach the names to it because it's easy to do. Nyla, has the enemy ever tried to attack you in your life? No? Can I ask you that question again and you, can you be honest with me? Has the enemy ever tried to attack you in your life? A constant battle. Interesting. Hmm. Peter, has the enemy ever tried to attack you in your life? Yeah. Chris, same question. Yeah? Al, you're not looking at me. <laughs> so, so he has. Okay. Jim, back there. Has the enemy tried to attack you? Oh, yeah. Okay, we're getting some places. Caleb, you're not looking at me either. So if you're looking at me, it helps. Yeah? 
Ashley? Has the enemy ever tried to attack? Yeah. Awesome. I don't mean awesome, but maybe awesome. Because if he's not attacking you, then maybe you're not doing something right. Josh, how about you? Once or twice? Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, it's good that we all, and I bet I know for sure that every person in here would say yes. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've been attacked. Now, after going through, maybe you could think of a specific thing that you felt you were attacked and you've been through it and you've come out the other side of it. Do you think that maybe that you've learned a few things possibly and maybe you would handle it differently looking back on it in hindsight, maybe? So here's my last question. Do any of you think that the enemy is going to try to do it again? Do you think he'll try to attack you again? Okay, so this is good. Then I'm on the right track. Because if you didn't think so, you wouldn't need to hear what I have to say. We wouldn't need to be built to last. We would just need it for one shot. But guess what? The enemy is going to continue to come after us and continue to come after us. So we need a strong, solid foundation. And there are some things in every one of our lives that are hindering us from winning those battles in a powerful way. Sometimes we, man, we get blown off course sometimes but tell you God is he has the ability to build a strong foundation that when those storms come we can withstand that Mm -hmm. and the Bible has a lot of things to say about that but I want to take us over the next few weeks through some things and give us I've got quite a bit of scripture but we'll just get started I'm just getting started oh they they bumped the clock ahead of time how'd that happen so we're 25 minutes in (laughs) Are we okay, though? I mean, am I I'm connecting? You guys have kind of similar stories. Maybe you don't have the tearing the, the sod and the squirrels and all that, but you have similar stuff in your life. And we all have these things in our life personally built to last. The first one I want to deal with is something that has been a challenge, I know, for more than just me. <laughs> the first one is pride. That is a hard one. Because how many can actually honestly say, I'm not prideful? Because if you say that, that's pride. <laughs> so it's hard. It's like if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm just humble. I'm just, I'm humble. And I'm saying, oh, you mean you're going to be humbled? <laughs> I tell you, I remember times where I felt like, okay, Lord, you're showing me these things. And I say, Lord, I feel like I'm making progress, so Lord, I know I, I still have pride, but I feel like I've gone a long ways, Lord. I feel like I'm breaking through this. And then he allows something to happen in my life, and he goes, Steve, you thought maybe you were there. Guess what? You discovered you're not, not quite there. But I will tell you today, as I stand here by the grace of God, I'm a little farther down the path in that. I still deal with those. We all still do. But those things that, you know, the, that enemy squirrel, he's come along in my life and he's buried a few things there. And one of them is pride. He just kind of stirs up a little bit and he buries that thing somewhere in our stuff and he kind of runs off. But at some point, it gets exposed when we have to begin to look at what do we have to tear down? What do we have to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with in our life? And when it starts, the curtain comes back and we see... Because something happens in our life and we see, wow, there's pride. Lord, I don't know. (laughs) 
the definition here, proud or disdained behavior or treatment. That seems harsh. <laughs> this is a pride that does not depend on God. <laughs> and it's not subjected to him. He, it's our own stuff. It focuses on our own <laughs> self stuff. I mean, we, we just get kind of caught in our own thing. But if we can humble ourselves before the Lord and cry out for more of him and less of us, that's very helpful. God, more of you, less of me. God, more of you, less of me. I want to read through some scriptures real quick. Proverbs 11, 2. So we'll go through this fast. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18. I put this in the message version. I like it. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. <sighs> yeah. Let it sink in just a little bit. First pride, then the crash. I don't want to crash again, Lord. I know what it feels like to crash. I don't like it. Proverbs 29, 23. Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. First hmm. John 2, 16 and 17. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Isn't that true? It's all about Going the next, taking the next, knocking that next person off, getting that next promotion, do it, or achievements, getting those, all the plaques and everything else, accolades, all that stuff. Now we'll say I digress just for a second because this kind of irritates me. And this, this ages me too. It tells you what generation I grew up in. But <laughs> sometimes we've tried to do too much in society to make it too easy. And so everybody gets a trophy. We have to understand what it is to win and lose. <laughs> You know, if you don't feel that stuff, it's like, because then you've got the kids crying over here. Well, I didn't get a trophy. Well, okay, next, next year we're going to give everybody trophies. Well, I don't think that solves anything. Anyway, back on track. That was just a soapbox moment. I don't know how I got there. Oh, yeah, it's in the Bible. Anyway, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, <laughs> along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I like that. I like the eternal. That's built to last. 1 Peter 5, 5b. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want to be full of grace. Therefore, I need to allow him to humble me. You know, when we're prideful, we don't have grace. We have judgment. Think about that. So what, when we are able to allow the Holy Spirit to come and deal with the pride, then what do we begin to build? What do we put in its place? Therefore, we have the freedom, or we're free to walk in humility. The quality or state of being humble, at rest when praised and when not praised. Man, I tell you, this is something that I've struggled with for a long time. You probably haven't, but there's times where I know that I worked really hard to do something, wherever that was, and somebody else got the credit. And I'm like, no, that was me. I want, I want to say that because you, everybody needs to know. Because what does it do? It helps our ego. And I'm like, Lord, you're dealing with, you don't need to deal with me like that, Lord. He's like, yes, I do. <laughs> when praised and when not praised. The work of Christ came to pull the proud down from their lofty seat. And it came to break all that stuff. To exalt the humble and the meek. Man, that is opposite of what we 
think it should be or what we do, but God is there to say, I'm taking down the proud, prideful, and I'm exalting and raising up the humble and the meek. That's why he chooses to use people who are humble and meek and the ones who other people look around and say, what do they have? And God says, they have what I want because they're, they're willing to do what I ask them. Jesus made a concerted effort to take a nobody <laughs> and make them somebody, every one of us. He chose you. We really were a nobody. <laughs> he makes us somebody. And Christ wants to exalt him in our lives. He doesn't want us to exalt us in our lives. <laughs> That's what it really comes down to. Proverbs 15.33. It's obviously we're only get through one today. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Man, these are such powerful scriptures. Proverbs 22.4. True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and built to last a long life. Come on now, because you need to get this stuff because there's a reason why we kind of start with one like this because it helps us if we can get past some of this stuff. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you, you are, who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'm telling you, that's all of us. We're that. And I will make your life miserable. No, good. Some of you are listening. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Don't put your own on. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Wow. And you will find rest for your souls. He's leading by example right here. He's like, I'm, I'm humble. Like earlier I said, he chose to come down to earth to become humble man, to go to the cross, to die an innocent man. He, but he chose all that to demonstrate to us this is how it is. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? There better be. <laughs> any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Everybody say amen. amen. Loving one another. Amen. amen. And working together with one mind and purpose. Can you say amen? You guys are all, you should be unified together in this. And it's not about either any of our agendas, anything that we want for ourselves, but it's about what he wants. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Man, this is stuff that just keep he's just laying this down on us. <laughs> but it's important. Don't look out for your own interests, but take interests in others too. Not just your own interests. Now, there's things we all have an interest in, but this is important for us to get. One more scripture. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, oh, here's that word again, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. That one we need to read again. Make allowance for each other's faults. And we can do that out of humility. And forgive anyone who offends you. 
Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. These are great words of wisdom. It's important for us, in order for us to be free, to build something that will last, we have to allow God to sort of uncover some things. And we recognize that today. He talked to us a little bit about pride. That hits close to home. That hits at home with me and probably with some of you. I'm looking forward to going through some more of these because I believe that if we can get this strong foundation and get some of these things cleared out and put the things there that God really wants there in our lives, that we can be very successful in our walk with the Lord and serving and loving, not only him, but loving and serving, loving people and what it is he's asking us to do. So let's stand this morning. We're going to sing this song, Freedom, because we've been free of the things that hold us down. God's given us a fresh new opportunity. Amen. Worship team, awesome. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 